Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go. Welcome to Manalyzing. I'm Garth Haslam. In this episode, we're talking to John Emanuele. I met him in a Father's Rights Facebook group. Didn't know anything about him. Uh, but naturally, and like always, he had some things that he taught me about uh, about how to do a bad divorce. And it seems like all divorces are bad. But uh, I learned some things from him, and I think we all can. Here's the interview. Tell me a little bit about uh, who you are, where you're from. Well, my name is John Emanuele. I'm from Berlin, Wisconsin. Emanuele, uh, that's, that's Italian. That is Italian. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you're, you're in Wisconsin. What is it? What is it about Wisconsin that you love? Let's see. I don't love a ton about Wisconsin. I'm kind of weird that way. Um, but I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the seasons of Wisconsin and mainly this is where my family's at. So, um, in a few years when my kids grow up, we're, we're planning on to, to move to Tennessee actually. And we're hoping to, to get to downsize and get into a little house and kind of live out in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. The, the weather's a little milder and, uh, you know, we want to get smaller to have less things that control us. You know, the bigger house you have, the more fixing, the more cleaning, the more, more everything that goes with it, where you start to downsize and you, you focus on the things that, that matter. So if the house doesn't matter. The vehicles don't matter. Um, it's what, what you have in your family and your relationship. So that's by control us. Do you mean stuff like cooking and cleaning and well, not cooking, you gotta do that anywhere, but cleaning and just maintenance. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? By control maintenance, maintenance, uh, you know, and then to, to be able to do that stuff, you need to have money, mm-hmm. you know, so money, money controls people, um, it controls the decisions that they make. Well, uh, what can you do or not do if you have or don't have money? Uh, that goes, you know, that's a, that's a, a huge stress on, on, on people. Can they, you know, especially in the times that we're living now, can you afford food? Can you afford car payments, insurance, uh, food, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, the, the money part controls you. And then the things that you have control you, it's the, you know, just being thankful for what you have and the, the things that you have, you, you know, utilize that. And again, it's, the experiences that you have with your family. I'm guessing you're a little. I'm going towards life. You're uh, done with being controlled. Uh, you 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 yeah. did a relationship where where uh, the control was was happening. Tell me a little bit about that, and then what it did to you. Yeah. So, uh, 2012, um, my I got divorced in 2012. Mm-hmm. My my ex wife she went off to make a movie, and uh, we discussed it. Uh, over and over and she's gone for a month or so. And by the time she came back, she's like, Oh, we need to get divorced. Oh, nice. it, was kind of a, it was a shock, you know? So I was taking care of the kids working full time. Uh, and, and she did that. And I said, well, no, let's, well, why? I mean, we don't even argue. We don't have, we don't have disagreements. Um, I think the only disagreements we ever had were with my parents about her. You know, they had this feeling about her and, you know, when you're in love and you're married, you know, they kind of have to watch their tongues a little bit. Yeah. And uh, especially yeah, counseling, let's let's do this stuff to you know, what about the kids? The answer was, oh, people get divorced all the time, the kids will be fine. So, <laughs> so I, I actually went to counseling by myself, and the counselor said, Why are you here? You know, it doesn't you're like you're normal. Why are you here? I'm like trying to work on my my you know my marriage. And she's like, the other person needs to be here too. So uh, so that ended, you know, the, the marriage ended. And uh, we didn't. Fact that, uh, I'm going to interject here. The fact yep. that you went and she didn't speaks volumes. But uh, that's what I thought. You know, and we we, uh, we had a, a friend who was a pastor in our town, and I'm like, well, we can talk to him. You know, he's friends with both of us. Uh, they're they're good at you know hearing things and being you know in the middle. You know, I didn't want any of that stuff. So you know, at that point, I pretty much knew it was there. There was no hope. So I hear you being motivated to save the marriage, and it sounds like she's motivated to not. Correct to move on. So you know, I was I was pretty hurt by that. You know, Talk to me about pretty plan. hurt. What did you say? Talk to me about pretty hurt. 
Well, you know, you, you feel, um, you know, unwanted, like we, you know, we were married for seven years, I want to say, and uh, how we did it was I wanted to have a job out of college. We met in college, have a job out of college before we got married. I wanted to have a house before we got married and then have that before we had kids. And we had this all planned out. And here's our five-year plan. Here's our 10-year plan. And you, you built towards this with your, with your spouse. And all of a sudden it, it ends. And, um, you know, kind of out of the blue, uh, she ended up marrying eventually the director of the movie that she was on, you know, so she has never admitted that anything happened, but, you know, I have these suspicions that as soon as we separated, he moved in. Well, it'd be uh, kind of hard to come home and uh, make a very direct decision. Like we need to get divorced without, uh, without having there be uh, some relationship going on there. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of how I figured out the fact, but I said, you know what, we're going to stay friendly for the kids, uh, do what's best for the kids. And I think for the first few months, because I work, she didn't, she's a stay at home mom. So she watched the kids all the time. And uh, so I worked a lot of hours, you know, to, to maintain some kind of lifestyle. Cause I gave her the house. I gave her the car. I took all the debt, credit cards, um, student loans. Um, so I, I, cause I wanted my kids to be able to live in that house that we had instead of them having to move out and, and get an apartment or something different. Cause she didn't work. And, you know, at that point it's, could she work? Uh, but we got to pay for daycare. I really don't have money for daycare cause I'm paying her child support. I was actually helping her with her cable bills and food and all this other stuff. Um, so I would pick the kids up every day from, from her house uh, after work. And I, I got an apartment and I moved out. And eventually, uh, six months later, I, I bought a house. And uh, I met my current wife about that time. And, uh, you know, she just kind of started looking at things. And um, my ex wanted to control every decision. And my current wife says, no, 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 no. These decisions are our decisions. Like, we are the couple. We are the relationship. And things have to work for us. Yes, we can be flexible, but things still have to work for us, what we're doing. And uh, again, my ex, she didn't. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a control freak at all. No, she, she didn't believe in that. It was, hey, you guys are going to Disney. Let me pack all their clothes for what they need. And here's a camera to take pictures of your new girlfriend and the kids. And it's like, nah, no, 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 we're not going to. like, No, that's, that's just that's weird. We're, we're going to take pictures with our cameras and. So on and so forth. So, and then it, then it came down to, well, you can't use this detergent. You can't do this. And she was constantly taking the kids for medical things. And, and at my house, there was, I, I didn't see any medical problems. Uh, so one day she tells me, hey, uh, I signed uh, our daughter up to get her adenoids removed. What? Like, you're not going to tell me this stuff ahead of time? Like, there's no discussion. Um, so I called the, the surgeon uh, to find out information, and I wasn't even on any of the paperwork as the father, so they wouldn't talk to me. So I had to send them my divorce paperwork just to talk to the surgeon, and he said, well, it's an elective procedure. And this is right around when Joan Rivers had passed away after a procedure. And I said, I, I don't want my daughter going through that if there's no reason. Um, from the paperwork, she had said that, well, she snores historically, she, she can't sleep, she's doing bad in school, and I saw none of those things. And I, her bedroom was next to my bedroom. Never saw any of it. So I said, I'm not giving you permission to do this. Sorry. It's, let's get some more research. Let's talk to our doctor. Like, tell me about this stuff first. So that was kind of the beginning of the end. And then it was, he's dictating. So she called social services on me that I didn't allow her to have her adenoids removed. Um, so I got a phone call on that. And I just basically told him, you can't make me do anything. This is a medical thing. We both have to agree. Move on. And they, they left me alone. Um, we just weren't getting along. It was argument after argument after argument. And my stance was, let me live my life. Quit dictating everything. And she didn't like that answer. So she kept on pounding, pounding, pounding. We talked to the police and said, can we do anything about it? So she could just leave us alone. So we said, well, we'll talk to her and you guys just don't talk. Well, we have two great ears, no stress. Um, no arguing, no fighting. The kids are doing great. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, I get a call from, or I, I don't remember if it was a call or they stopped over, but social services stops over. 
or uh, child welfare or whatever they're called. And they said, hey, you know, we're, we have to investigate a, a claim made at your house that um, your your wife is washing your, your child you know, in the bathroom. And we're like, okay, well. Giving her a bath? Giving my son a bath, which wasn't true. It was, again, a story that when he was six, you know, helped wash his hair. Well, it's been turned into when he was 10 that he was being washed. And he wasn't. Um, so they came in, they investigated everything, and they're like, there's no, there's no basis. So we're thinking, well, that's really weird. Like, why would why would this happen? And then I found out because I got served papers like a couple days later that she was trying to take the kids from me. And I believe that was the the first step in trying to build a case. Well, geez, you know, child protective services came. Because even to this day, she says, Well, you weren't exonerated. Your house wasn't exonerated from that. They just didn't find any evidence. Huh? It, it says there's no evidence to be found at this time and the case is closed. Like, what else do you need? But she continues to push that. So eventually when we had to go to co-parent counseling, she'd bring that up all the time. And the first thing you hear is that this thing, and you're like, you didn't do anything wrong. Like, we're just parents. Like, if your kid is not washing their hair correctly, fast forward, we've been going to court for four years now. Um, kids were taken away because of that. Uh, that um, the guardian at Lightham, who I don't believe for one second has the best kids' interest, the kids' best interest at heart, took the kids away for the summer, um, basically reduced me to like 25%, so 50-50. And then uh, as more information came out, she said, nope, uh, the kid was lying about things that happened, so we're going back to 50-50. Okay. Uh, that summer. Awesome. Like, my kids are back. Like, it's not just meeting for a little bit. Um, but again, that wasn't the end. She wasn't going to stop there. So, you know, at this time, I'm I'm feeling joyous that I, I, I've got this lawyer. Um, everything's working out. My kids are back. And that's the main thing is that the kids are back. You know, we ended up getting up to about $60,000 in lawyer, lawyer bills. I, I don't, you know, can't afford that. You don't just have an extra $1,000 laying around. Um, so there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress with your current spouse. There's a lot of stress with your kids when you uh, you, you don't have the money. You don't have uh, you know you, you have these plans and these hopes and these dreams that here's what we're going to do. We're going to do vacations. We're going to uh, we're going to be able to put money away for the kids for college. There, there's all these things that you're you're hoping to do, and when you don't have the the financial means to do it, you're you're stressed and your your stomach is on fire, and you're afraid to make any wrong move because you know, throughout this process of, of the courts, I'm just accused constantly of things that have never happened. So it's, well, how do I, how do I word this message? How do I protect myself? How do I do this? And it's, you're just like stressed the whole time. So you're working on this stuff and you're, uh, and then the stress happens and then somebody walks in the room and says, whatever, I need a pencil or how you doing? Uh, and I'm guessing there's been moments where you snap at that because that's a place yeah, where you yeah. can snap. And um, yeah, I, there wasn't a lot of snapping. We've we've been pretty good of taking care of a lot of that stuff at night, like when the kids are sleeping. But there is that stress, and there's they kind of get ignored. You know, um, you kind of get ignored. Tell me, tell me about you kind of get ignored. So so. You know, for example, so I have I have a daughter with my wife and I have her all, all the time. So my other two kids are 50-50, so they're gone. So usually when they're gone, we try to work on some of the stuff. If it's reading emails, working with the lawyers, figuring out a plan of attack. Um, and every time you get a message that's sent through and they're always accusing you of something. Okay, where, where's the proof to back to counteract that? Again, is it a proof in a message I've sent before? Is it a proof from so the so you work on these things and then you kind of let your you know your daughter, hey, you know, why don't you just watch some YouTube? Love kids don't watch TV anymore, they watch YouTube. Um, here, watch YouTube for a while while mom and dad are working on this. Well, then you so, feel that you're not you're not spending that time with her that you would have been. So your daughter suffers because not only are you stressed right. out, but you don't have the time. Right. Yeah. And I can identify because uh, when I did my divorce a billion years ago, um, 
she did a very similar set of things. She should come up with an accusation. I would spend the next week putting evidence together to rebut it. And then I'd present that at the next uh, hearing or whatever. And she didn't care. She was on to the next accusation. Yep. And, th and then I had another, you know, however much time to try and rebut that. And it, it was ugly. You know, as you're doing that, um, what's going on in your gut? <laughs> well, um, you know, you, you have multiple things in your gut there at the time. Um, you, you feel like it, you're, you're helpless and you're, it's never going to end. You're, you're in this downward spiral that um, you, can't, you can't get out of. I mean, everything in my life I've been able to control for the most part uh, with its work, you know, working harder, getting promoted, uh, just putting in that time, uh, finding the love of your life. Uh, I mean, we started a church. I mean, all these things are easy compared to, because you can help, you know, weave that path of your life. You have a say in it. Well, now you start coming to this other stuff. You don't have a say in anything. You have a guardian of light who's telling you what you're going to do. You have a judge who's telling you what to do. So you're, you're just, you're kind of stuck and you can, uh, for, for example, the government item says one day, you can't possibly be that busy. I said, well, we are that busy because I need to fit 100% of my kids' lives into the 50% that I have them. So we're busy all the time. We are, yeah, we go here, here, here. I send pictures. Of, here's the date. Here's what we did. Here's the, they don't believe me. Like, I don't know how you can give That's, proof. And and for me, that's insane because uh, I'm an empty nester and I'm still busy, busy, you know, and back when yeah. I had kids, for example, this Saturday, I've got uh, one of my daughters has kids that are between the ages of uh, 13 and nine, uh, the oldest three, and they've got three soccer games and uh, I'm going to see if I can go to all three soccer games. That's one of my daughters. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> And yeah, we're all busy. Of course, we're all busy. Yeah. Does this lady think she she can uh, you know finish her day at five o'clock and then what? Right. So it, it's, a, it's an odd odd thing that you'd think that you know my kids get straight A's. Um, they're they're great kids. My my son's going to get his Eagle Scout in the next six months. And you think that that's a positive in the eyes of the courts of the guard items and all these different people. And it's not. It's it just seems odd that you'd spend that much time doing so. Because my kids don't like sports. They're not athletic. And I love sports. I'm, I'm a huge Packer fan, Brewer fan. Uh, I wish my kids played sports when they were younger. But when I'm throwing my kid a ball and he doesn't want to catch it, I kind of know that that's not his thing. So you move on to the, to the next Well, thing. that would be a control thing. I've got an ex-brother-in-law who uh, who wanted to force his kid to be become a baseball player. And so he'd force him out. Uh, in the backyard with a bunch of baseballs and yell at him that he was a wimp and tell him to throw harder. And the kid yep. would sit there and cry for an hour while he's throwing baseballs, not at this guy who was a dad, but at a net. Yeah. Um, that's how to ruin a kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we, and I, I take what my kids want and their, their thoughts and their needs. And again, you can't let them run everything because they're a kid. You're still a parent. Right. You can't just be their best friend. You have to be their friend and be their parent. And you've got to teach them um, the, you know, how to grow up, how to be a good person, you know, put them in situations so that they're working with people. And, and you can do that a million different ways. And, you know, part of how we do it is, you know, through our church and youth group. And I think my kids are great kids because of these things that we do. Oh, and based on the results, you're uh, you're winning. What does it do to you when your uh, wife or the guardian ad litem or whoever uh, tries to tell you that you suck and you're doing it wrong and you're going to do it another way? I get mad. <laughs> I mean, that's the yeah. first thing. Like, how dare they? Like, how dare they tell me how I have to live? Um, how dare they tell me how my kids should be? They have a say in their life and what they want to participate in and what they want to do. And if my kids were coming to me saying, hey, I want to be part of this or I want to be part of that, that's that's a different story. And we've even talked about, hey, do you want to join this? Do you want to join that? No, 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 no. You said you get mad when uh, the guardian, et cetera, tries to tell you how it's going to be. How do you deal with the anger? Uh, what's your outlet? Who do you talk to? Well, the I've been blessed that 
Like, I really don't care what people think. So that's a great thing that I have going for me compared to my wife, let's say, for example, who cares about everything everybody says. I, I have a support staff and my wife. I got people at work that I, I talk to about, about stuff. Again, I'm with these guys at work. At your work. What do you do at your work? Uh, I'm a vice president. Uh, we're a, a military packaging company. Uh-huh. So I, I'll do day-to-day stuff. We do testing and, and things like that. The, the package is up for the military. And we've, it's a small company. I've worked here for 20 years. Most of the guys that I work have worked here 18, 20 years. Uh, so we're, we're pretty close. Um, again, I don't really have any friends. So I don't have any. I have a couple friends from college that I see once a year. Uh, I don't hang out with any people from high school. I'm focused on my family and what I'm doing. And uh, my, my outlet is I have a, my, my, my parents, I have church, I have church family. And, uh, you know, they encourage you and um, offer you suggestions. And uh, I know, again, being a faithful person, that there's a, a bigger plan and that, you know, whatever happens there, it, it's going to happen. It's for the best. And if it doesn't even, if it doesn't turn out my way, it's for the best. And uh, we don't know what that is right now. I spent, I focus my time on my kids. Uh-huh. And, and I could, I guess I rationalize my head and say, I can give up, you know, and if I give up, um, what then where are my kids? If I give up or if I do something stupid to myself or drink myself into a stupor or the things that a lot of people turn towards, I'm turning towards my kids. I'm turning towards my family. And what can I, what can we do together to not worry about that stuff? It is a, stress relief to just to go camping with your kids and watch them run around or swim or what would give up when you said I, I would give up or drink myself into a stupor. I want to, I want to go there. Uh, what would give up look like? Uh, you know, for me, I, I wouldn't give up, but you know, I think a lot of people do give up. Like they, just, Oh yeah. There's, there's millions of guys. See, who give up. When you don't see that end and everything you're doing is failing. And like for, for us financially, we're just ruined. I had to sell my house just to pay for my lawyers. Um, right. I got, my wife has, you know, is battling breast cancer right now. So those medical bills just keep piling up, piling up, piling up. So you're in this state of, I'm never going to get out of it, but I, I, I compartmentalize. And as it's probably not the greatest thing in the world to do, because you want to be able to release things, but I talk to my wife, you know, again, I talk to uh, my parents about things. So I, I don't keep it in. Um, but I'm not a crier. I'm not a real emotional person, but there are times where you're just like, if you were to drink yourself into a stupor, like you said, uh, how and where and when would that happen? Uh, It would be just probably at home. But again, I I know I have this support system that my wife would be like, what are you doing? Like, what are you drinking for? You don't drink. I drank a ton in college, you know, growing, especially meeting my wife. My current wife, um, you know, she just makes makes you focus on the good things and uh, and things like that. So again, you gotta have that support system and you gotta utilize it. That your wife had cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, paint that scenario for me, and especially paint what it did to your guts. So, um, you know, my, my wife goes in for her annual mammogram, and uh, she comes out and. Uh, a lot of times I go with her to her, her appointments, just I, I can get off of work, go with her and give her, you know, she doesn't like that. You know, she doesn't like the the poking and the prodding and all that stuff. So, uh, so, so I go with her and, and they said, Hey, there's, um, you know, they, they found a, a lump when they did it, but you know, I think it was 80% or some stat that it, it ends up being nothing. So, you know, so we went home thinking, yeah, it's not gonna be anything. She's 40. I think she's at the time, I think she was 44. So pretty, pretty young still. Mm-hmm. Um, so we come home and they, they, they do some testing and like, Oh no, they're, you got to come in for more tests. So now you're starting to worry. Like, Wait a minute. And, and then it's still, it's, you have this positive feeling of you'll be fine. You'll be fine. She's freaking out. So I can't freak out. You know, she's, ah, and I'm like, okay, well, we're going to find out what, what, what it's all about. What do we have to do? And, um, how severe well then you go and get more testing and they they cut it out and look at the margins and all that fun stuff um and then she gets the the, the diagnosis that yeah she's got to have uh, surgery uh, no chemo at, at that time but just have a, a lumpectomy and you sit there 
And with her, it's put on that strong face and we're going to, everything is going to work out. There's a plan, you know, we're going to pray about it and everything can be fine. But when you're laying there in bed and you're thinking, what happened, what happened, what's going to happen to her? Like, what if she dies? What do I do? Like, I'm already fighting this battle with my ex and she's by my side. She's helping fight this. She's helping keeping me sane. Um, what do I do? What, what happens with, with my kids? How do you start over? How do you move on? You know, you just have all these things wrong through your head and you feel, you know, you feel down, you feel depressed, you feel, man, we can't catch a break. Like we're going through all this court stuff. We're going through financial stuff. And now you throw this on top of it. And there's this chance that she doesn't, you know, doesn't make it. And, uh, you know, we start going through it and, uh, you know, we had really good doctors and explaining things good. So we, we were, we, you calm down a little bit as you go forward with it, but you still have this apprehension because you're not sure, is it going to work? Uh, is it going to come back? And, uh, you know, so we got through all that and she's, she's doing well. She's on estrogen pills and these things like that, that have, you know, side effects that aren't working for it real well. But, um, you know, again, we just, you know, we use our faith to, to get by and, you know, and it's weird because like my wife's, Sister is a nurse. Her brother-in-law's a doctor. She didn't even want to tell any of them. She, we didn't tell she them. Didn't she didn't tell anyone. She didn't want to tell anyone. Um, it was her journey on her own, and she was going to deal with the doctors that we were given because she knows it would be no. You need to go see this doctor. No, you got to like. And she said, "No, we're, these are the. We're going to go to Mercy Hospital. We're going to deal with them, and, and that's how we're going to do it." So they, I mean, most of the family didn't find out right away. Um, so then we started letting people know but there were uh nights i'm sure when you were sitting there and you go you're going man she's got cancer i can't handle this i'm overloaded i've got too much on my plate you're not going to go to her she's she's got cancer doing her own thing yeah yeah you can't um like i said i've got to put on a strong face for her just to help her through her her battle yeah, you're uh, you're her uh, you're her strong suit, and you can't be you can't show a weak side for her. Now, in another podcast uh, with with another cancer victim, uh, her response to that is basically, and she she said it much kinder than this, but the gist of it was, "Let me in, damn it." Uh, she could see and feel that he had a separation from her because he didn't want to talk about any of that hard stuff to her because he didn't want to add to her plate. So in addition to her cancer, she felt like she was being shut out, but, um, that's not the direction I want to go. Um, it's, you know, you couldn't talk to her. You You can't add stuff to her plate. So for you, uh what or who did you go to for an outlet um the the outlet that with that would be you know my my parents um again i I didn't tell them everything um you know just needed someone to to listen to you a little bit um and then make sure that when i go back like i i I talked to my wife that i'm listening to her and and she's Kind of like with the, the, the man woman you were talking about. She, she's not very open. Doesn't want to tell me everything. Uh, and then when you when you kind of pry and you dig, she gets mad. And you're like, don't fight with me. I'm trying to help you. You know, so you, it, it, it's a hard balance of what someone wants to give up because she doesn't want to put that burden on, on me uh, and the the family or everyone else. Uh, you know, then eventually when we told our kids, you know, about it, you know, there was a lot of crying. And, uh, but again, you have you have to be for the family you know as, as the dad i felt that i no matter how i was feeling or how worried i got you know for my kids for my wife it was positive it's gonna be positive we're gonna get through it who cares what it costs we'll deal with that later because uh, it was to the point where she's like i'm not gonna pay a hundred dollars to go see this specialist every time i go it's a hundred dollars like well you have to go you have to see them like we'll, we'll figure all that stuff out at the end um so yeah, I guess my parents, because that's probably really the only other people that, that I talk to. Uh, and then again, you, you again being uh, Christian and being faithful, you, you pray, 
And yeah, you know, everyone in church, they're supportive. I mean, uh, like, I don't know if my wife would be able to get into it. It was, you know, people would send her books on how to deal with cancer or they, you know, a lot of people are old at church. So they've been through these things. So uh-huh. they tell her this, or they write her letters. So um, seeing them support her helped a ton as well. Uh, it's like, and I haven't been through it. I don't know what to do. Uh, and then I go to church and, you know, how's she doing? How's she doing? And we talk about it. Um, and she didn't go a lot while, while she was going through it. Uh, but it was all the the, the prayers and the, the great words that people were saying that, again, help you through it. And then you see all these people who survived. You know, they had breast cancer. And I talked to my aunt once and I didn't even know she had breast cancer. She had it twice. You know, so she was calling and, and giving, not not giving advice, but, you know, I've been through that. You know, I, I know how you feel. Because I can't say that. I know how you feel. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah, you gotta lean on. You have to lean on the people around you. Trying to be supportive. Um, you said there was a lot of tears. I would imagine there was a lot of tears on your part, on her part, on the kids' part, um, and especially you know the kids that you have to share. Uh, they're going to be wondering what's going on at your house when they're somewhere else and don't have any access to information. A lot of oh, yeah. tears. Um, were the tears usually shared or were they, was it isolated? Well, my, my wife, you know, she has a routine with the kids when they come home from school, they come home from school, they get changed, uh, they shower, we get ready for the, the evening or whatever we have going on. And that's her opportunity to talk with them. So oh, yeah. it's kind of, you know, one's in the shower and they're, they're talking. She's in the living room cleaning, doing whatever. And they're, they're talking through whatever. Here's the, the middle school drama here's the you know whatever's going on so i think they used a lot of that time for them to talk you just told me that your wife has the magic sauce and there's a thousand um, moms and dads that are going wait she gets them to talk you know oh, yeah, it's amazing it's amazing you know and i'll tell you another thing so when i was in court uh we were, we were talking about the things that we do and the judge says how do you get your kids to do that stuff i can't get my kids to do anything well part of it is that you just you love on them Number one, two, you listen to them, and three, you you make everything about family. If it's just go and play video games all day, they're gonna have this disconnection from you. But if it's hey, we're going to do this, my my daughter just she, she does dance, and she just filmed a, a music video for Thriller to do remake Thriller for Michael Jackson Thriller, and the whole family went. And my my oldest son is sixteen. He's like, I don't want to go to that. You know, my daughter, my youngest daughter is eight. I don't want to go to that. No, we're going as a family. You're going to support her. You like it or not. And then once they get there, they're like, this is actually pretty cool. And my my middle daughter, she actually got to be in the video too as the hand that comes out of the grave. Um, so something that she wasn't involved in, the director's like, hey, we need someone to do this. Do you want to do it? And she's like, no, no, no. But, but she did. We convinced her to do it. Then after she's like, oh, no, thank you for making me do that. Thank you for encouraging me to do that. So you just have to be with them. Um, and so it's not it's magic hard. words. The, the magic sauce is how, how do you, how are you a good family? You, you show them that you care. You listen to them. You even going through all this stuff. And even with my ex-wife, we've always told them, she's your mom. You love her no matter what, you know, that's your mom. And I want to say that I've never spoken bad about her, but I, that's not true. You know, you do because you're frustrated. And you know, when they're completely lying to you, you're trying to find out, you know, the information and, uh, but it's always, when they leave for that week, have a great time. I hope you do something fun. You know, you're encouraging to to still love that other parent that you can't stand, that you can't get along with because it's the best thing for them. Yeah, I uh, I, I met you in a uh, Facebook father's rights group. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember one of the conversations where I was very much the Lone Ranger was, uh, you know, my ex-wife is taking my daughter out of the country, which probably meant, you know, Mexico or uh, Bahamas, Dominican. I guess it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, this is uh, kidnapping and I'm going to take her to court. And I'm thinking, dude, you know, you your your role and goal now is to win and keep your daughter's heart and are you going to really make her stay home while everybody else goes on vacation what do you think that's going to do to your relationship right it's going to hurt it and i think over this time that the relationship she had they have with with their with their biological mother isn't as strong as she thinks from it because 
they're being affected by this. No matter what anyone wants to say, they're affected. And I, and, and our relationship, I don't want to say is stronger because I think it'd be just as strong, but there are those times where they're, they're frustrated. They're frustrated with what's going on and why they can't uh, do this or why is this odd? And it's like, well, we can't do that because we're not allowed to, you know, the courts say you can't do. And, you, and it's, it's that balance of what can you tell them? What was, what can't you tell them? Cause you're trying to keep them shielded from all this stuff. But again, they're, they're 16 and 13 now. So they, 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 they know more or they hear you talking because they listen you know, right. uh, so you're not going to shield it from them. And, and that's why when years and years ago, when we got divorced, it was, this is going to hurt the kids. That was the first thing I talked about. This is going to hurt the kids. Ah, it doesn't matter. We'll get over it. Well, they're not going to. And when they're adults, they're going to tell us what they resented about all of it. I had that moment uh, when I was trying to decide whether I was going to uh, move forward with the divorce. And I was actually talking to somebody on, uh, it was a game I was playing, Internet Spades. And I developed a couple of relationships with people that I'd never, that I never did ever meet. Uh, one of them basically said, Hey, you know, if you can keep the kids out of the war zone, they generally come out of it. Okay. Ish. Uh, and I thought, well, we can do that. So I moved forward and that is not how things turned out. Uh, it was, uh, it was absolutely a war zone. And because there's being bombs lobbed, uh, they got to pick a side. And they lived with her. So it was a no-brainer which side they were going to mm-hmm. pick. And, and that's what the, my, my kids really picked her side at the beginning because of the, the fantasy that she had created in their minds about things that happened. It would be, well, your dad punished you for talking to me. No. Uh, first of all, my kids have hardly ever been punished in the 10 years since I've been divorced. Um, and the punishment was, there wasn't a punishment. It was, he had lost his hat at a parade and we had to go back and look for it. And we weren't going to leave until we found it. Again, we're trying to instill responsibility. doesn't matter if you're 10 years old, you're still responsible for that hat that you're wearing. We told you not to take it off. You know, so we went back for it, but she twisted it into, well, you were punished and you were this. And then, uh, you know, I talked to my son uh, years after that. He's like, well, yeah, you, you put me in my room and didn't give me any food for days. Like, <laughs> didn't? What are you talking about? Uh, you know, we're the family that you stayed at that table and you ate it until you were done. And if you did it, then you got that the next day for a little while. And I'm like, then we changed it. Uh, you know how we dealt with that. But again, you do that as as your parent, and you figure out different ways to deal with, with kids. And what the, the biggest thing that I found with my kids is that if they feel you're disappointed in them, they'll do anything. You know, and like you're not trying to lay a guilt trip on it because my, my mom kind of does that every once in a while, lays a guilt trip on me. If you're disappointed in something they did, that hurts way worse than I'm going to take this away from you. I'm going to put you in the corner. I'm going to spank your butt. I'm going to, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, people use as, as different things. It's the they, kids want to be told what to do. They want to know what's the, their expectations and they want to make their parents feel proud, you know, of them, you know, ultimately. You've had uh, plenty of hard in your life what was the hardest moment for you was it uh was it divorce related was it the cancer related was it seeing what was happening to the kids or was it something completely different i think the hardest moment um would have been when my kids were taken away for that summer and it was just distraught um and that we're not gonna get them back and what is she gonna do to them with having more time with them uh, uh, because of, of the things that she had done in the past. And they're, they're, I can only guess, I'm going to color this a little bit. I and I'm going to put myself in that scenario. I can only guess that you're going to go, they're my kids. They're my life. They're my everything. She's going to ruin them. They're going to be a uh-huh. mess for life. Oh, yeah. And all of my life's meaning, value, and purpose is going to rot in the toilet. That's, that's where I would go. Yeah, that's exactly where we where I went, and, and my wife too. Uh, again, they're her kids. They're she's a stepmom, but they're still her kids. Uh, like her son, he's my son. We don't it's, we don't have designations of your stepkid or your whatever. We're, we're family, and we're, we're mom and dad. Um, and the the cancer part of it, you know, being the number two thing. The only reason why that's not a little higher uh, on the list is we have professionals that we trusted to get her through this. Again, the same with my kids. The professionals want to take them away. Yeah, the the, the who's supposed to have their best interest is the one who took them away. There's uh, co-parent counseling, and that that wasn't even close to working. 
Yeah, there's no professional to keep your kids from rotting in front of a video game for three months right. and deciding right. that they don't matter. Right. And then when I say, no, we're not going to be spending all the time playing video games, it's she says, well, look at how horrible your dad is. He won't even let you do something that you like. Well, it's <laughs> not what you like. It's what is right. I don't have a problem. I, I grew up on video games. And, uh, but there's a time and place and the, the technology and things have changed so much. I've got a few friends who are doctors and they said, you can't have them in front of the TV screen, video games. And also, it's not good for their brain developing. It's not good for, you know, this stuff. My son always comes back and says, well, no, it's good for hand-eye coordination. And it's the, you know, we always have this argument about it. And it's like, okay, and everything's in moderation. I know you play all the time at your house because you keep telling me that. Oh, all the time. You play all these different games. So okay, here we're going to, not that you can't play it. But we're so busy, you're not going to have an opportunity to do it. So let's go back to that summer and maybe the beginning of the summer. You're, you're going, you know, these are the most precious things in my life. And she's going to, you know, the, you, you probably watched, what is it, Lord of the Rings? And you got Gollum holding my precious. Yeah, and now, yeah. now Gollum has to let go of that ring and imagine his anxiety. You, know, you 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 fill that void the the best that you can if it's more work or more work around the house or you know whatever it might be um, and but you still have that that back of your head like what is she doing to them so you like, how are they coming out of this how am I how, how am I going to get get these kids back because for some reason I'm the bad guy how did I become the bad guy uh, if anyone who you know again you always think you're the greatest person in the world but you know I look back and go I don't think anyone would really say a lot of bad things about me and just in my life in general. How do they think I'm the bad guy? You um, felt that pain. It sounds like you basically just did stuff to uh, to take your mind off of it. And, you know, there's not any good answers, but that's as good a bad answer as there is. Yeah, it, it was um, keep my mind off it. And then when I had them um, for that limited amount of time, it was love up on them, you know, do something with them. Be again, be active and part of their life. Not just they come over and, OK, go play a video game, go hang out with your friends, go like. And I feel bad too because it's like, and that is the magic sauce, you know, because it's okay. Or their grandparents, like my my parents are like, well, we want to see the kids. I know, but I only have them a couple hours here and a couple hours there. Like, I don't really have the time to say, go hang out at grandpa, grandma's house. You live two and a half hours away. Grandma and grandpa come here. So, um, so here's, here's my question. Um, I'm sure that there was a day or two or many when your kids were gone that summer and you maybe didn't mask your fears as well as other days. Uh, you didn't bury it in a, uh, you know, a flower garden or whatever, you know, th- that those were very painful, uh, anxious, angry, apprehensive days, um, bad days, probably your worst days. How did that turn into a blessing for you? Oh, you know, you learn to appreciate your kids more. Um, and I actually had a conversation with a, a young father in my department here at work the other day. Um, and we were just talking about different things. And, and I said, I'm not the kind of parent who says, man, I can't wait to go on vacation without my kids. Without <laughs> your kids? Without my kids. Uh, and I have a lot of friends and coworkers and people who, it's we're going to go here and do this, or I can't wait to drop the kids off with a babysitter and, and do this. And um, from that point on, I was like, no, never. I mean, I, I won't do anything without them. Now we do stuff with my, my youngest daughter because we have her all time and she can't be neglected. Uh, but if we're going on vacations, if it, like, no, they're, they're coming with um, every penny we have, we spend on these kids for, I mean, we're, we're about making memories. It's not about having the most stuff in your room, having the nicest clothes. It's, if I have X amount of money left over, we're going to go use it and do something. We're going to go places. We like to eat. We try different restaurants in different towns. We, um, we like roller coasters. So we go on roller coasters like every other weekend. So we're, we're, we're just, we're being busy. So that time said, you know, cause when I, when I was first divorced, I, I kind of felt that same way. Cause I only have my kids half the time, but then you get into this routine that you only have them half the time. So it's like, okay, I'm going to live my life with my kids when I have them for that one half. And then the other half, I'm going to do what I want for myself. Um, and so that's kind of how you were until they got taken away. And it's like, wait a minute, now I don't have, I have them even less. So how, how am I going to, I'm going to make this time up. How, how am I going to do that? And, um, I still try to work on the house or work on things when I don't have the kids so that I have that time to focus on them and 
it's just it's family time again we'll do scouts we do it as a family we do other whatever it might be we're doing it as a family we're, we're together all the time you, you have to be active you have to be the one who's guiding them down the path that's and that's how you turned that extremely dark moment into a bright spot you know it, it mm-hmm. occurs to me that uh what was it the uh greek philosophers i um i forget the the name but basically uh their thought was that no single thing in itself is good or bad it's how you respond to it that's good or bad and uh, what i'm seeing is that you responded to a very dark moment by giving yourself guidance and direction you know uh, i don't have them but when i do have them we're going to make the most of this time and then when I don't have them, I'm still not going to mope in the corner. I've got time. It's valuable. And I'm going to use it to make myself better and more prepared to raise them again when I have the next mm-hmm. chance. Yep. You know, and I had a, and it's strange because I had a, we were mandated for co-parent counseling. <laughs> the first co-parent counselor, I don't want to say she was bad, but she definitely wasn't on my side at the beginning until you know, probably a few sessions in. And then she, then she started realizing, you know, who's the crazy one, who's not the crazy one. Um, so, I mean, that didn't take that long. But one of the things I got yelled at was uh, I worry too much about time. One of the things, because it was quit scheduling stuff on my days, you know, and it was like, well, you shouldn't worry about time so much. Don't worry about the hours and this and that. And, but Like, I never agreed with it, ever. That, no, 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 no one's going to tell me what to do on my time. Um, and that time is precious. It, it, it ends. My, my son's going to be 18 in a year and a half. Like it, it's done. He's not going to be living with us. We're not, I'm not going to see him half the time. So uh, I'm, I'm not letting any time go by without being part of their lives. Again, they're going to go to their friend's house and they're going to go to grandpa and grandma's and their cousins and, and do stuff like that. I'm not saying that you know, they're changing their rooms, uh, but it's the, uh, you know, we're, we're going to help them make the good decisions, uh, what to do. And, you know, I don't have a problem saying, hey, that friend of yours is, a, is garbage. You're not friends with them anymore. Like, you have to make hard decisions. And, and that's part of, like, being active and involved with them. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you're you're doing it right, John. And I uh, I very much appreciate your time today. Um, let's, uh, let's do one more question. Um, how old are you? I'm 43. 43. And, uh, Wait, am I, am I 43? No, I'm, <laughs> oh, geez. I'm 45, not 43. I'm 45. You're 45. Yeah, you, 45. you old dude, you, yeah. uh, and, and the divorce was a couple of years ago. It was, uh, in 2012. So 10 years ago. Okay. So, uh, 45 year old, you goes to 35 year old, you, you got a time mm-hmm. machine. It, it might be a DeLorean. I don't know. Um, but you're, uh, you're going back and you've got, you got a minute to tell 35 year old you what he needs to know. Mm-hmm. What's it going to be? Oh, I think it's going to be, uh, the next 10 years are going to be rough, but stay with it. Stay the course, believe. Um, I think that's as, as, as quick and as precise as I could be. There's, I wouldn't change anything. Um, uh-huh. if, if I, if I, changed it back then and stayed with my ex i i don't think i'd be as good of a person i don't think my kids would be as good of people as, as they are turning out to be uh, again everything happens for a reason and everyone's going to struggle you're going to struggle every day that's what life is it's a struggle uh, you're going to have more probably low times than high times but uh relish those high times again if you don't have that low you're not going to know what that, that that high is so um we're going to come out better at the end for it and uh you know 10 years from now when i'm 55 that whole thing is going to be over and uh, i'm hoping that i'm you know at my kids wedding and they have great kids and they're uh well to do people and um, you know and and you're going to take that satisfaction from that at that time so all the pain's worth it John, here's here's what I uh, what I just heard you say. Here is a family where you've got crazy ex-wife. Your wife is uh, dealing with cancer issues. You have severe money issues. Nobody, if they're looking at your life from that point of view, nobody's going to say, "I want John's life. I'll trade mine for his." 
but you are happy with your life where it's at, uh, because that's not what you're pointed at. You're, you're pointed at your kids, their health and success and growth and emotional stability. And you've got that. Mm-hmm. And you're, you you basically just said, stay the course. Um, it sucks, but it's okay. We can deal with it. This is, this is extremely manageable. That goes me back to the whole thing of events that happen to you are not good or bad. You know, it's how you deal with them. That that reinforces that to me. But yeah. um, they're they're not going to define you or your future. And it doesn't matter what it is. If it's uh, it, it, it's not if you, if you if you don't allow it to be. Okay. Uh, and this is probably something that I should have done at the very beginning of the interview, but we haven't. So I'm going to do it now. Tell me how me, how we met. Well, um, my wife joined a men's group uh-huh. to, to get, uh, to get information to help us with our parkings. She had seen a post from a guy who was doing podcasts and she said, I told him that you're, you're, you're willing to talk to him. And I said, well, about what? Like, what, are you, what are you talking about? Thanks for just signing me up for something. And she said, no, just, you have to call him tonight. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give him a call. Why not? You know, again, who, who knows what it's going to be. And uh, so I talked to him on the phone yesterday, um, you know, for a couple of minutes and, and that, and that's it. Uh, yeah. But I, again, I, I had this feeling of, if you can help a dad who's in a similar situation, I'm not the most eloquent. Uh, not the greatest person in the world, but again, if you, you help a person or two, um, gives them, I'm not inspirational either, but just hearing somebody else going through things that may be similar, um, it's worth it. Hey, thank you for listening to this Manalizing podcast. I appreciate it. You know, I don't go hunting for men with big stories and big issues to deal with. I find that pretty much any man that I talk to, he's going to have a story. If you're inspired by what you hear, here's my invitation. Join us. Join Manalyzing. Manalyzing Manalyzing.com. Lift and be lifted. Help other men and allow other men to help you. Let's do this together. We look forward to meeting you. Manalyzing.com.